Hello and welcome back to our podcast series where we ask Pastor Jeremy anything. Hi Nat, it's good to be here too. Hi Pastor Jeremy, tell me a little bit about how do you feel about this podcast series? Oh, I'm loving it. I have always wanted to engage on the most fundamental, you know, the basic uh, tenets of our faith to answer questions that people will not normally ask or are too embarrassed to ask in church or in in the home uh we have grown up without the freedom to uh you know to express our doubts uh, even though we have not shaken our faith so I, i i love this i i love that we could ask anything and it doesn't necessarily mean i have a great answer for uh for every question but i can attempt and uh, i can go looking for the right answer and i do en- encourage you to not only ask uh don't 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 just make up questions but ask truly the questions that have been nagging you through your life questions that are keeping you from a next level faith keeping you from next level uh, obedience and uh, so usually we have we have some mind block we have something that uh, you know if resolved if that if those doubts are removed we are able to move on so this is this is about that and it's it's pastoral care in 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 a in some sort of a way and the next thing is also you know to get people to ask questions because maybe you can't answer uh some questions that people ask you uh, unbelievers believers uh, people in church ministry uh, about ministry about leadership about uh, pastoral care about faith theology you know sometimes you're not able to answer those questions and i i would love to attempt on your behalf to answer those questions so that you could uh, you could give a better response for your faith at defense of the hope that is in you. Okay listeners, so you've heard him. So if you have any questions, you can write to us at psjeremy@gmail.com. If you're listening to this on YouTube, the comment section is right below so you can ask over there as well. So let's get into today's content. Most of us have grown up without strong friendships with believers. How do you maintain your faith without them? And further, how do you maintain your witness and testimony among unbelievers? Oh, I love that question. And that is the experience for a lot of us. When we were growing up, and for me it was 35 years ago in my teens and then when I was in school mostly, there were times when I did not have a single believing friend around me for years, you know, and uh, I'm sitting in I'm sitting in a classroom of 30, 40, 50 people and no one um, you know, assumes um my faith and or or is on the same level and uh this brings up the vital aspect of of sustenance how do i maintain my faith when i'm doing that first let me make a slight deviation when we talk about friendships i think friendships aren't the same as family relationships the church is a family and faith is connected to your relationships with the family when you talk about christianity or when you talk about your faith it is with people in the church and you're saying that i don't have anybody my age in the church and that's another set of issues where the pastors and uh, the leaders of the church need to take into consideration why there are so few people now there could be countries situations places where the church is so small it's meeting in a home there's nobody your age in that uh in that church that's fine and well but if you pray god will provide for you 
other teenagers or teens and 20s or people your age who could also uh, share your faith and you could grow along with. There is, there is faith in that prayer. God will bring people to Christ. God will grow people. God will move people around to get you friends within the church. But faith and family kind of go together. And faith is primarily grown in your family. Faith is primarily grown in the church. And even if you don't have people your age that you could do fun stuff with who are also believers, you could still, you know, continue in your faith and do very well in your faith, uh, as many of us did growing up. I had to listen to, uh, you know, musicians and, and singers, and a lot of my faith was grown from these guys ministering to me, Randy Stonehill, um, Keith Green, Carmen, the Imperials, uh, the, the Gate of Vocal Band, uh, so many of them that preached good theology in their songs and grew my faith. I would walk up and down uh, the road or, or the street where I, where I lived and I would just listen to these songs and I would pray and praise when I was 15, 16, 17, 18. And my faith was strong, even though I did not have anybody in my class or in my, in my school even who was a close friend of mine that so I don't need to connect my faith or depend on my faith to grow uh, on friends. That brings us to the aspect of how do you then maintain your faith and maintain your testimony and witness when you're surrounded with unbelieving friends? Because if they're not going to share your faith, that's one thing. But they will also not share your value system. And if they don't share your value system, you've got a problem. I hung out with certain people who just didn't drink or smoke, and that was a huge help for me. But they cussed like nobody's business. And uh, I, I kind of was tempted to do the same thing. I even uh, used language in my 11th standard. I remember when I had to, by the end of my 11th grade, I had to, ha- had to actually repent and turn from my ways and, and, and stop it and, and, and yield my tongue back to God and uh, surrender my speech back to God. And then I was, uh, and the Lord helped me out of that one. Um, You could hold ground. You could hold theological ground. You can hold conviction while being friends with those who do not share your same faith slash value system. Sin is dealt differently with other religions. It is not uh, held with the same disdain that uh, the Bible holds sin as, and it is a lot more permissible uh, all around us. Now, there are some very moral people, and you might find some very moral, upright uh, people, and you say, oh, are they even better than people in our church? Um, great. I'm so happy for you. And you look for moral people. You look for uh, good people, and you, you maintain those friendships. Uh, you don't go to bad people people who have uh, rebellion against their parents, against society, against moral uh, standards, and who want to break every rule, and then struggle with your faith. Then you are the problem. Uh, So the the Proverbs are great on that matter. I mean, the Proverbs talk about looking for wise friends, looking for friends that share your value system, looking for friends that will uh, build you up and not tear you down, looking for, for friends who who are not looking for trouble, but, uh, but are looking for wisdom. And there are some very honorable people among your unbelieving friends whom you can. The question is, 
Do you want to hang out with them? Do you struggle with their company? Do you find them boring? Is it really you the one that wants to break free, break out, break something? So that's really what it's all about. And when you have to keep fighting to say no, you're probably in the wrong company. If your friends are dragging you down and they're, they're making you or causing you to compromise your faith and your standards and your theological framework, you are, you're on shaky ground. Because there are unbelieving friends, there are unbelieving people who have a high moral ground and who uh, moral standing, who are honorable and who actually love the standards you have. And that's what you need to be uh, aspiring to. All of us have grown up in cultures, in places, in schools where we did not have believing friends. And it should not matter. It should not matter. In fact, the light shines brighter into in a dark room. The light is even more beautiful in a dark room. So if God has sent you out into a place where there is no witness, your witness should shine bright. It should shine bright. So it really is about you and not about your friends. It's not about your family or your church. It really is about you. There are, there are believers who have grown strong, stood strong, and been strong, and have maintained their testimony with their unbelieving friends. And there are believers who have compromised right, left, and center, and given in and given out. The heart to compromise or the heart to stay on course is within you. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your mind and heart. And if you find that you have a straying heart, then you go back to God and say, Lord, influences can very easily take me astray. I need you to, uh, to tighten your, your will and your purpose and your, your love around my heart that I might stay strong for you. I want to stay strong for you. There's some very critical prayers that can be prayed during seasons of loneliness when you feel um, lonely in terms of your faith. Then we haven't even gotten into the place or the, the conversation of, of, of persecution. I'm not, today we're just talking about friends. We're just talking about what do you do when you don't have a believing friends? What do you do when you only have unbelieving friends? How do you stand your ground and keep your faith? But I do want to talk to you sometime about when your friends turn on you, when you actually have opposition. That's a whole different. But you're never going to get there and you're never going to win there if you can't even stand your ground with friends who respect you. So I end with this. Find friends, even if they're unbelievers, who are honorable, have a high moral standard, and respect your standards. If they don't do that, question the friendship itself. I'm sure that was a very helpful response. And here's another question. We live in an era where I have my phone all the time. Some of us might have to have a little check on that, but anyway. So why is it still so important to memorize scripture in a day and age where I have access to, let's say, the Bible app on my phone all the time? I can just quickly pull it out, pull out a verse, sometimes even through Google, just Google the verse and have access to it. Why is it still so important? I love that question. That's a great uh, area of our life where we need to look into. Let's look at process. The, the work of Scripture in our hearts. First, let's begin with asking 
what does the Bible say about that? The Bible says that Scripture needs to be in your heart. It needs to be written on your heart. Not just by heart, but written on your heart. That means it has become the law of your heart. It's the law, the second nature by which your heart commands, responds, decides, chooses. Your heart has a written command on it. So when God created man, he created man with a conscience, a moral compass written on his heart. Romans chapter 1 says, every man knows, he knows not only that God is, but that he owes his life and an explanation, a report to God for his life. Every man knows that, but he suppresses that truth in righteousness, in unrighteousness, excuse me. He suppresses that truth in unrighteousness. And he says in uh, Romans chapter 1, Paul says, that is written on our hearts. Um, the Bible says God has return, written eternity in our hearts. That means every man in, intrinsically knows that he's going to live forever. He knows he owes an eternal explanation for his life. Or his, or his eternity depends on his life. Every man intrinsically knows that, but he suppresses that knowledge. He ignores or, or shuns that knowledge out of the wickedness of his heart. So, Scripture, when we learn Scripture or when we come into the New Testament, we are now rewriting and overwriting that conscience. So, there is the basic bare minimum that's already written into our heart's DNA. And when we learn Scripture, we now have the heart of God and what's written on God's heart being rewritten on our hearts. And that's how we function. You don't function from going to a, an operational manual every time you want to use the product. That's not how it was meant to be. The Word of God was supposed to operate from your heart and not from your version app. So we start by reading God's Word then we memorize God's word. Then God's word is written on our hearts. It's all it enters our heart, uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, and then from there on, we meditate on it. So memory leads to meditation. And the psalmist says, I think on your word all day long. He says, uh, when I go to bed at night, I surf the ceiling and I think about your promises. I think about your laws. I wake up in the morning my before the dawn, I, 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 I get up and I think about what might God want, God think, God do through my life, through my relationships, through my words. How and why has he commanded this day for me? So the heart will act on what is already written in it. And it has a moral compass that is rewritten by scripture itself. This is slightly heavy. Don't let me lose you. Listen carefully. You already have a moral compass. And that moral compass was written on your heart by God when you were born. That causes you to come back to God. Now to stay with God and to stay on course with his will, you need to write his will on your heart. So the psalmist says, I have written your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I have written your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So the word of God 
has intrinsic power to help you say no and to help you sway, swerve, avoid pathways that are foolish. The Proverbs is full of that. The Psalms is full of that. He says, when I, when I hide your word in my, my heart, my heart swerves away from sin. It dodges sin. My heart turns away from wickedness. So I'm moving in a direction. Wickedness comes my way. Wickedness is, is presented to me. A wicked solution, a wicked option, a wicked alternative is suggested to me. And my heart just goes, it just naturally swerves away. That's not the time to go looking for a verse. That is not the time to refuel. Fuel needs to be in the tank when you're already in the air. So when you go to God's word, step number one is to allow it in. Allow it in, in such portions, such chunks of scripture that it, it, it fills the heart. Next, it is to be memorized so that it is there when, it, it, when the heart needs it. When the heart needs it. Number two. Number three is you meditate on it so that it's activated and the power of the word is activated. Now, God's heart has God's will written on it. My heart has my will written on it. When I absorb God's heart through his word, his will is written on my heart. Now, I naturally, naturally do what God wants. Naturally. I don't live by rules. I live by relationship. So I stay in relationship with God, my heart and his, and he informs my heart. He takes my, his word and he puts, and the Holy Spirit is only going to do with you what the word of God has already done in you, what the word of God has already been uh, absorbed into you. So God's word must be learnt by heart. I have hidden my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. How can a young man keep his ways pure? Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his ways pure? By learning the word of God, by keep by keeping the word of God in his heart. So that you don't start by, uh, you know, just living how you like, and then at the crossroad, you go looking for a verse. You're never going to find it. Satan's not going to let you find it. You won't even have a Bible to find. You won't even know what the search words are at that point because you're too deep, you're, you're too far gone, and that's not the time to be looking for God's instruction. Let me take you to the other end of things. Here's how foolish believers can get. They will find themselves in a situation, they say, oh, I didn't hear God's voice on the, on the matter. I just went ahead with this relationship. I went ahead with this decision. I didn't hear God's voice on the matter. Uh, this God's voice business has become a, a big thing nowadays. And uh, uh, you know, there's so much wrong teaching all about, of, about it. So I didn't hear my, I didn't hear God's voice about it. Uh, I, I I didn't I didn't have any clarity, uh, you know. Uh, so I I went ahead with uh, what I wanted to do. I followed my heart. My dear brother and sister, God's voice is not going to come anywhere near you. You're not going to hear it if it's not if His word is not already in your heart. It's not going to pop out of Scripture. It's not going to you know follow you around. Uh, God's not going to invade your private space. You have to let his word in and say, change me, instruct me, um, uh, guide me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. When you make that statement, you're inviting God's spirit to use the word that you have taken, which you've absorbed, which you've uh, welcomed into your heart, to use that to do something with it. So 
one is God's heart, God's words on his heart. Then there's your heart, there's your will on your heart. And then when God's word is entered into your heart, you read God's word and you meditate on it. The next level is for you to say, my will be set aside, thy will be done. My will be set aside, thy will be done. Because now you've got two hearts with two, two wills, right? So your heart has to say, I'm going to let your heart rule me. I'm going to let your will rule my life. And that, my brothers and sisters, my friends, is worship. That is true Christian worship. When you set yourself aside as a covenant, not in the moment, but as a covenant, and say, Lord, your will, not mine. You can't say, Lord, your will, not mine, if you don't put his word in you. And if you don't put his word in you, you're just left with your moral compass in that moment, and it depends on how weak you are, and you'll stand your ground. Let's say you make the right decision. Let's say you make the right decision. And out of your own strength, you make the right decision, and you, and you don't sin, and you don't fall. Then you're going to become self-righteous. You're going to become a person who thinks that you could be moral, or you could live a holy life outside of the will of God, outside of the word of God. Why should you learn the scripture? Because scripture has intrinsic power. It has uh, it has a captive power. And when it is released into your life, it gives you the power to not even want to sin, let, let alone say no to it. And that is the power of scripture. And it is the reason why scripture has been given to you. Study 2 Timothy 3.16 to understand the depth of that. So then what do we do with such apps? There's the version, which is in so many different languages and they're doing such amazing work. And there's so many other Bible apps too. So having them on your phones, is that a good thing? Like, what do you think about it? Yeah, absolutely. These are all uh, organizations, churches. In fact, the Bible app was launched by a church that was actually trying to just create a, a, a program for their own people to learn the scriptures and to, and to abide by him. Uh, apps are great. Apps are great. You have to learn how to use the app in order to uh, to get the word into you. I have uh, the day, the verse of the day, but the verse of the day needs to become the memory verse of the day. And, and the problem is you. The problem is me. We're looking for inspiration, and we're not looking for uh, in, uh, instruction, and we're not looking for the word of God to take over us. We just want to be inspired. So we're looking for something fuzzy, warm. We're looking for something to, to make us feel uh, you know, happy as if God, like, a, like a, a grandfather, is sitting up there and just watching over us. We just want that extra eyes of uh, grace on us. And nothing wrong with that, but uh, unfortunately, that's as far as it gets for a lot of us. So the problem is you and me, when we decide that uh, how we want to use Scripture and what we're looking for in Scripture. In fact, you could program your apps to give you Bible readings and verses of scripture that actually are thematic. If you're struggling with temptation, if you're struggling with, uh, you know, uh, weakness in making decisions, you can go to scriptures and you can look for just that. And over the next few days, so organize your, your spiritual life, plan for it, have Bible readings that actually nail what you're doing and, and find yourself winning in that area, find yourself overcoming in that area. So these apps are fantastic because <laughs> when we were growing up, we had the concordance. And in the concordance, we didn't even know what to look for. So, uh, you know, today you have absolutely everything broken down to you digitally. It takes you 30, th three seconds to find, you know, a verse of scripture 
that otherwise you would not have memorized. It's it's good and bad. It's good and bad. I mean, you it's good that you can find it so quickly, share a verse with somebody so quickly, but it's also bad because it 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 stops you from having to memorize. So that's why I have I have emphasized that there are two roles of scripture. Scripture is a light for your path. It's a light for your path, but it's also a foundation for your character. It replaces. Don't try to follow scripture. Just put the scripture in you and let your heart be transformed by it. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Yes, and Bible reading plans. We've launched quite a few of them as well, and we'll link them at the description box below. Thank you so much for joining in and we'll see you at the next podcast.